Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas, episode 171, the podcast that always aims to dive deep into our favourite band with a bunch of listeners and patrons and compadres in B. We're going to get straight into it because we've got so much to do and we've got little time to go till Christmas. B, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, looking forward to this one today. Uh, we will give a hint as to the topic, but we've just come off your Keith Lemon slash... Uh, Lee Francis. Lee Francis. I think a lot of fun there. I, I must say kudos to the picture and the images you put together where Keith uh, looking so paced like the kick album cover. I found that very, very funny. Oh, he did that. Well, he did it, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did that back in, oh, I think he did it back in 2014 or right. something like that. And okay. then I thought, oh, I'll nick that. So thank you, Keith, for doing that for me. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, he, he was great, wasn't he? He had some great stories. Well, you're in your element. I didn't hear all the episode. I've sort of flipped around a little bit, but your British accent seems to come out more when you chat to someone British. Have <laughs> you noticed that? That's terrible, isn't it? That's yeah. all right. It's a bit like I'm reading about the Angus brothers, uh, uh, sorry, the Angus brothers, the Young brothers at the moment uh, in the ACDC book, Dog Eat Dog, and, you know, the author Michael Browning, who we've spoken to before, says it's interesting when the the, the, the Scottish lads hang out with their family or their parents, you know, suddenly they, they go more Scottish, you know, in their uh, articulations and enunciation. So, um, yes, uh, you had a lot of fun with, uh, with Lee there. Anything that you took away that you enjoyed the most? I enjoyed all of it. I could have talked to him a little bit more. I don't actually know that much about him, so it was actually really nice to hear firsthand about all his characters and how he, he developed um, from, you know, from from being just um, a guy at Paramount in the costume department and then yeah. going all the way through to being his own, getting his own sketch show. And uh, the Graham Norton connection was good, and and Natalie. Really, yeah. I, I've put it onto YouTube now, so that's yeah. uh, that's good. So you can watch all the visuals now. So so you can see all those amazing clothes. And the, I didn't realise he had Tim's pants. Well, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's if I see him walking around with uh, one of uh, Andrew's uh, Western cowboy hats uh, soon, I'm yeah. going uh, yeah. to dip dips my lid to him because he's... Well, uh, he does like wearing hats, so you never <laughs> know. He might be. A collector of all collectors. All right. Now, coming to Christmas, we've only got a week or two to go. What's uh, coming across your NXS world, B? Anything uh, particular? Um, well, um, today, Paul Jolie messaged me. Have mm-hmm. you seen his uh, post that he put up? Well, he, he's he been posting lots and lots of things. Uh, one, one I saw this morning, he, he, he was pressing a doorbell and as like a, a Telstra thing sort of announcement came out of the doorbell. So I don't know if that was a meme or a TikTok. Okay, well, this is in excess related. Right. So um, this is um, a Troy Mott um, skateboard with Michael on the uh, actual um, deck of the board, and I didn't realise that Paul Jolie was a skateboarder. So we had a oh, bit yes, of a I saw that one. That. Yes, yes, I saw that. I saw that particular one. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was that was good fun. And um, somebody else sent me a photo of the Welcome to Wherever You Are boys. Remember the three boys? They are tan. Art yeah. boys. Yeah. That was a uh, Irish sort of uh, sort of uh, teenager band thing that I know. Uh, I think uh, Larry, I believe, was in that band as a kid from YouTube. Larry from YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about Shane Gowan had passed right. away and he had those boys at, um, well, not he, but those boys were at his procession that went through the streets. And oh, someone, yeah. Me, okay. yeah, someone yeah. sent me a picture and went, oh, you know, he just like brought it all back, the welcome to wherever you are. And then yeah. I got, I, I, I dug a little deeper and um, there is some people looking for those three boys. So if you know those three <laughs> boys, we would like to know how on earth they got onto the cover and if they're still around, get in yeah. touch. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it was a very sort of abstract sort of cover back in the day and I guess, as we've said on that album review, less was more in those days and yeah. it was a uh, sort of uh, little left of centre type sort of album cover. Um, but, yeah, if anyone's got uh, their uh, details, no dramas, would be great to... Uh, uh, track them down and have them on the show, B. Yeah, that's great. Um, also, I want to thank my friend Johnny for helping me get that video out. I should say that. And Lee 
um, Francis, and fantastic guest from last week, he received his book, his mm. In Excess um, Calling All Nations book, and did a fantastic um, reel on Instagram. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, and you can um, have another look at the book if you haven't got it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. There is, uh, I was going to announce it in the news, but I might mention it here. There is uh, on, I think it's on the uh, uh, You Discover uh, platform, which obviously do a lot of in excess of stuff, but there is a competition going where you just literally enroll your details. When I get, when I get into the news, I'll, I'll announce the link, but uh, there is a competition where you just have to put your details in and you can pick up the new vinyl stuff that's come out and a book, uh, one of the collector's edition books as well. So, yeah, being it to win it. I, I, I emailed my details in B. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. You managed to do that then. Okay. Yeah. Without me. Well, you know, you probably got, <laughs> you probably got, knowing you, you probably got all three editions already, haven't you? Well, you know, well, they're on the way anyway. Yeah. I know this is an excess related, but it's false of is. I want to welcome Dr. Jim back from uh, the USA. He was over there um, gun hiring it for um, KISS. He was at the last KISS concert and he managed to get into the newspapers. Um, Did he really? Week- yeah, yeah, yeah. So well done to Dr. Jim. And now get back onto it. We've got to get In Excess inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's the guy that's um, gone hiring the petition. Right. So the, the Dr. Jim, he's fanangled his way into the uh, Noel Rogers backstage uh, interview gig. Now you're telling me he's gone backstage over at the Kiss uh, last concert. Okay. He's a guy we need on the payroll, B, to get us uh, more <laughs> I'm not asked the band that is, but uh, yeah. Um, Anything else come across your desk? Um, On the back of um, Lee and um, being from the UK, we've had a big upsurge in the UK in the charts. I think you pointed out a position for us. Yeah, we might have have announced that in the uh, the chart section. We'll do a bit of navel gazing. Okay, well, we'll leave that (laughs) there. Okay, this is a little bit of a sad sadness, but um, I want to just say, um, and it's from myself and Hayden, our heart goes out to a couple of very close friends to ours, um, to Lisa, Genevieve and Kathy. Um, All three are going through quite tough times at the moment. And um, yeah, we just, um, we're here for you if you need us. All right, here, here. All right, well, anything uh, I guess that's come across your desk that hasn't come across my desk, can be worthy of uh, people getting onto our platforms, can't they be? And we don't normally do this, but do I just announce the platforms where people can engage with us and just uh, communicate? Because uh, I know during the week we got a lovely email, uh, well, a couple of lovely emails, one I replied to this morning on our behalf. Is there any of the uh, platforms you can just let people know where they can respond? I appreciate you replying, Hayden, because my life's been a bit hectic lately. So thank you for that. Definitely through, through the email. We love getting emails because we both can pick those up, which is good. You can message us through the website. A lot of people do do that. So we pick those up too. Facebook, you can message us directly too. Um, however, that one's a little bit tricky for us all to pick up. So the website is the best way if you want to message us directly, but it's always good fun for Danielle and myself over the different socials. So over Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I think we've got it covered. And Grant Driscoll's the gentleman who emailed us overnight, and kudos to him. He's been to most of the gigs I've been to, and uh, similar age to me, so I guess that's probably natural. But um, uh, yeah, when he when he's in Melbourne next, as I said, Grant, reach out. We'll have a beer. Um, and when you're driving through B's area, uh, I think uh, she will take you down for a free set of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, uh, I guess it's probably time to uh, uh, recap uh, a little bit about last week and obviously some of the, the people's feedbacks and things like that. So I do believe, uh, B, that uh, Lee is on Virgin Radio and probably has promoted the podcast himself there. But uh, as you said, we've had an upsurge of listeners and things. Uh, tell us a bit about Lee and Virgin Radio and what that sort of means in terms of scale of audience. Oh, huge, huge. In fact, he hands over to Graham Norton. I think it's on a Saturday or a Sunday. I can't remember which day it is, but over the weekend, He's on there and he was saying that it was something that is the first thing he's ever done had himself because he's always been in these different characters um yes. which you know is fun i'm not going to spoil it but you do need to go about this because the funny stories because he it was always in um in character even when he did his meetings and so much so that 20 percent of his pay went to national taxes 
How funny is that? I could start laughing. Yes. I, said, I, I don't know how I held it together because internally I was laughing a lot, but I had to keep going with the, with the interview. Um, thank you, Lou. Yes. You were an absolute pleasure. You actually dream of death, actually. There's something to be said about people who play characters and who were very rarely out of character. We... We in Australia had a very famous guy by the name of Norman Gunston. For our uh, local sort of uh, listeners in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Norman Gunston was uh, probably one of the biggest sort of sort of characters there. He was he was played by a guy called Gary McDonald, who's quite a, a well-known actor. But Norman's shtick, so to speak, was he was dressed up in cheesy 1970s uh, suits, and it was the 70s, and he used to always have uh, shaving mistakes. He'd have these little sort of little patches on his face where he'd cut himself. So it was part of his shtick. But the interviews he does, he interviews, I think, Mick Jagger on Mick Jagger's bed, who's drunk at the time. He interviews the Bee Gees, who couldn't stop laughing. I mean, all of these famous interviews, even Muhammad Ali is a very famous one he did, who didn't quite know how to take him because it's a bit like uh, Borat or, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what yeah. was his name? Something G, wasn't it? Ali G, yeah. Ali G, He's co- yeah. completely in character. And, and Dennis Penis as well. Do you right, remember him? yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, Lee obviously sounds like he's got some parallels there. But um, Oh, I loved um, what Lee says as well because he had a, he had a show that ran for sort of like 12 years um, called Celebrity Juice. He was sent to his wardrobe artist, I want to look like that. Michael Hutchins, I want to look like that. Michael Hutchins, he just loved the extra clothes. So if you go back and have a look at Lee um, on on those uh, programs, you can see an influence of in excess clothes. All right, Lee, we'll try to welcome the patrons aboard. Uh, I'm not sure we've got any newbies this week, but uh, if we do or we don't, that's fine. But uh, over to you. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello to our honorary members, Tim Ferris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkin, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Carrie-Anne, Laurie, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Pedro, Mandy, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Paul Buckley, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Jim, Jim, Jackie, Sheila, Shannon, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Tracy, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark and Vern, Mandy Jane, Nick, Sula, Amy, Diane, Paul P, Paul B, Alicia, Jay, John, Anne, Kathy and our new member Chantel and our special mentions go to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy and Helen Kirkwood. Welcome to the podcast. Well, again, I always thank you to our patrons for listening. And if you're not one, please join in, particularly for 2024. What a great Christmas present, be! Become a patron. What a present for anyone who's family members who listen and aren't one yet. Uh, for little as a cup of coffee a week, yeah? It's a glorious present. Absolutely. So, yeah, come on board. Well, we've got a Christmas uh, show next week. So it's the time of the year B does give out little goodies. So you've got a week to become a patron. You may be eligible for some of those. Today, B, we're going to be rounding out this century today. We're going to talk a little about 1999. Probably we're going to do it over two weeks with two significant events. Happy to sort of mention the one next week and obviously the one today. But there were probably two significant moments in 1999 for In Excess. And, the, you know, the first one was uh, the band actually getting back together and playing with Terence Trent Darby at uh, the opening of Stadium Australia. So we're going to sort of dissect that particular uh, selection and just the concert and just the uh, theory behind it and the postscript to it all. And then next week, obviously, we're going to be rounding off our sort of Christmas uh, edition show with uh, an album review of Michael's album. And uh, we'll talk about Michael's 1999 posthumous release next week. But um, looking forward to diving deep on these, Pete. Now, B, what's it time for? 
time for the news, I think. No, it's not. Guess what? What? It's time for a rant. (laughs) Really? You got a rant inside you? I got a rant, okay? The Rant, music, December 2023. People, I ask you, hand in heart, has music ever been at such a low point? We live in a world where the algorithm exceeds the head and the heart, a world where production trumps, sorry, blue state voters, performance and feeling, a world where a soaring melody, a chorus, a strong middle eight, a relics to a bygone era. Your Honour, let me prosecute these crimes of eardrum malfeasance. Ladies first, Cardi B, how? People, how has she sold 100 million units? Have you heard her rap? Even worse, have you heard her sing? Have you heard her speak? Jesus, reminds me of that quote in that movie. Everyone in this room are now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. R.I.P. Cardi B. Two, Miley Cyrus. For fuck's sake, would someone at Disney or Columbia give the girl a Kleenex? What's she trying to be? Channel Stevie Nicks with her nasal passages? Jesus Christ. And while we're at it, stop ripping off Bruno Mars' melodies. The song Flowers? I'll give you flowers. Dead daisies. Lizzo. Ever heard of the phrase, less is more, Lizzo? Literally. The world is still reeling, recovering from your uninvited 2023 VMA Awards striptease. Did someone say KFC? Geez, you put Jenny Craig out of business. The Veronicas. What started off as a cute, interesting, upbeat, urgent, vital, unabashed tunesmith has now drifted into a dirge of soulless auto-tune Forgetful lyrics and melodies washed away that sounds more like Muzak than music. Even Billy Corgan couldn't save you. Men, not so fast. Luke Combs, where do you get the audacity and their confidence to destroy a 1988 Tracy Chapman classic amidst the Nashville twang? Drake, more top 100 hits than the Beatles, Bowie, the Stones combined? Morgan Wallen, what the fuck? Sounds like a bloody bank that went out of business in 2008 in New York. Zach Bryan? Wasn't that a buddy of Jordan Belfort's in The Wolf of Wall Street, yet he's apparently the new sensation? Post Malone, for fuck's sake, selling 20,000-plus arenas globally? Don't know whether to bloody listen to him or read him. And Bieber, my learned colleague's about to interject. I say to you, I'd love to see the Beeb get in the ring with Axel Rose. Not likely. So who's going to save us? No, there's only one saviour, one band, one mission, one purpose. Over to you, Michael. Love, baby, love! You just get worse. You are such a grumpy old man, aren't you? I felt like that. I was just in that bloody record store. Sorry, I was in the is in David Jones on the weekend. I heard this soulless music, and I'm like, "What's the world coming to? What is the world coming to?" You know, AI is a scary thing, B, because it's going to kill even the good people who who play instruments. It's going to be all this created artificial stuff with no soul. So, please, let's have uh, a return to music, not music. All right. Well, I'm just going to counterbalance that. You're in one of the most creative music places in the world. Melbourne is a hodgepodge for amazing music and loads of gorgeous music musicians out there. So, um, yeah, get out your bedroom, guys. Get on, to, get on to performing for us. Correct. Correct. All right, B. What's the time for? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Scott from Los Angeles. You're listening to NXS Access All Areas, and now it's time for the news. All right, B, we did mention earlier, uh, chart success, uh, not to do with the band or anything like that. We, uh, this week, probably thanks to you and to uh, Keith Lemon, we uh, have climbed up to number six at the time of recording in the UK charts for uh, podcasts in the music history section. And obviously, we're really, really proud of that because it's not easy jumping over the top of bands like Oasis and all the Beatles and these other ones, but we've risen into this epicenter, B, uh, where we hopefully can uh, rise a notch or two more and get into the top five. Oh, come on then. You have to reel off who's at number one. Roll it down for us. 
Roll it down. Okay, well, I do know there's a couple of little perennial sort of, you know, always the same ones in the top three of Dolly. Dolly's a real <laughs> knockout, isn't she? Um, sorry. You need to knock her out. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Freudian slip, but it was actually uh, not. Uh, okay, well, let me do a countdown around. Okay, a bit of navel gazing here. Uh, in the top 10 at the moment, the UK podcast charts uh, in the music history section, Love is the Message, Dance, Music, and Counterculture. Death of a Rockstar, that's quite a popular worldwide one. Hard Law Stories from, uh, sorry, Hard Law Stories from Tour, don't know much about that. Dolly Parton's America, Keeping the Rave Alive, no one called Have You Heard This One, don't know much about that. Uh, Desperately Seeking Paul, Paul Weller fan podcast. Oh, yeah. And the one that's really, I've listened to this a couple of times, I just can't get into it, and I wish I could because it's popular, but it's called A History of Rock Music, uh, 500 Songs by Andrew Hickey. Always seemingly uh, in the top three or four, so it'd be nice to knock that one off. But, B, we can uh, let uh, our listeners know uh, we are higher in the charts this particular week uh, than, I guess, artists such as the, to the Beatles uh, this particular week, uh, the Oasis podcast, uh, we're higher than that. There's the hip-hop one, the hip-hop one, uh, Just Ace, which is a popular one. So, look, keep listening in. There's a Bowie one at 53 in the chart. So we're beating Bowie and the Beatles. <laughs> Bowie and the Beatles and yeah. Oasis. Oh, what about yeah. you two? They haven't even got one, have they? Oh, well, they, they're dominating <laughs> everywhere else, you two. But uh, <laughs> move, moving along and straightening up, uh, Andrew Farris has announced a solo tour, uh, generally up the eastern seaboard of Australia in 2024. Uh, so check your local guides for that. Also, uh, a few weeks ago, we did announce that there's obviously a remix uh, sort of uh, standard release of uh, three lots, uh, I guess, I think of uh, downloads for the All Juiced Up 2. Nick this week, the Bitter Tears remix, remix which uh, the video and the, and the audio has all been remastered. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it's had a little bit of look today, which is, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, I added it to our socials, everybody. Yeah, so you can, yeah. So that's uh, sort of sort of out there. Also, too, I want to just a bit of a shout out to all the cover bands around the world. You know, there's too many in excess cover bands to make mention, but particularly in Australia, New Zealand, in the Southern Hemisphere, there are so many sort of December, January, February gigs. Um, even the Don't Change Boys have announced gigs in Melbourne in July and St Kilda. So talk about planning ahead. So kudos to those. It is Christmas time coming up, and uh, a little bit of a, a plug to a couple of vendors out there who are promoting in excess stuff. Um, in Australia, there's a really cool, uh, well, I guess you could call it a collectibles, but uh, there's a company called Rare Records Australia. This company does a lot of reissues of magazines. And there's, um, I looked on it today, and there's a good, uh, there's a magazine, I guess, called Duke Magazine, which was our Bible as a youth. And there's a great 27th of April 1991 cover of Tim uh, on the cover of Juice Magazine. Uh, sorry, Duke Magazine, I should say. And a lot of other types of uh, in excess articles from the past in these publications, uh, plus uh, music sort of uh, uh, CDs and things as well that you can pick up from there. We mentioned the other week the Shabu Shabar, the gold vinyl uh, particular album there is still available on various platforms and things as well. I know you want us to do a review on that. And we may get to that during our compilation section, but you can still get that even though it's not record day national record day anymore and also too there's another website called newspapers.com that's got just great in excess articles if you want to just go back before we had the internet and a lot of these things have been saved onto probably microfiche and things but you can open up and almost read them as newspaper clippings uh, back in the day B, which is pretty cool which takes you back into a time and a place where the band were during uh, less uh, internet eras and in more sort of newspaper write-up eras. Also, too, if you are the owner of a, a Blu-ray type of uh, player, uh, the Live Baby Live one through You Discover has been sort of, uh, not re-released, but it's probably been uh, re repackaged in a sense and is available for download up until, uh, I think, shipping's on the 15th of December. So a lot of people uh, have seen the Wembley gig but don't own the hard copy of it, and I would encourage you to get that one. I mentioned the competition a bit earlier through You Discover Music as well, uh, where the book and the vinyl, that actually goes to the 4th of January. Uh, so you can just get onto the website for You Discover Music Competition plug in in excess you should find the link there where you just plug your details in and you can win the uh designer sort of uh compendium edition of uh the uh the book uh, plus a whole bunch of vinyl stuff that's just been released uh recently Also, too, on some happier news, Kirk, his daughter's just in, just got engaged, B. So April Rose. Kirk's going to be a father-in-law, which is pretty exciting. So uh, uh, congratulations to Kirk there. One's flying the coop there, B. 
That's right. Soon to be a granddad. Yep. And also, too, there was a big Nile Rogers article that went out uh, during the week and a lot of the publications in Australia, particularly, where he talks about in excess, Keith Urban, uh, the Minogue sisters. A lot of it seemed to be taken from our podcast, B. When I was reading him, going, shit, that's interesting. I've heard that before. But I also think some was taken from Nile's podcast that he has himself. So... You know, there's a lot of stuff there that uh, you know you can dive deep on just to catch up on things that he mentions about his love of Australia and the artists he worked with. So, B, that's the news of the week. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also, want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And now it's time for topic of the week. All right, people, uh, we're going to talk all things sort of 1999, in excess, Terence Trent Derby, uh, et cetera there. Now, well, there's a bit of a UK link with uh, with Terence, and I know you touched upon a few things about Terence last week with, with Keith. He was an interesting guy, particularly in the late 80s, in terms of his breakthrough, and in excess, obviously, you know, looking for a, well, looking for a lead singer. We didn't know 1999. I think we were just glad they were going to get on stage and do something, and we'll tackle, you know, that pathway and, and redress uh, that sort of uh, uh, sequence of events that that led them to uh, work with Terence. But um, do you have a memory of Terence Trindarby coming in and dominating the charts? Because he actually broke in the UK first and America second, despite him being an American. Yeah, I do remember. He was on on uh, the tube, and I remember thinking, "Whoa, he's um, he looks a bit Prince like." I know that he hates that, but he's like, "Oh, he's a bit of a toned down Prince, a bit of a cool cat." And his voice, oh my God. So yeah, I ran out and got some according to the hard lines and played it and played it and played it. Such an awesome album. It's quite devastated actually that he had to change his name and and it, it did go a little bit awful for him. But yeah, funny enough, me and Lee were talking about Terence and he was saying, you know, who'd have thought that Terence Tent Derby could step into Michael's shoes, be it for one day, hmm. and uh, and put a twist on it yeah. as well. You know, he owned it. His voice really yeah. leaned towards their folk element and soul. So sorry. the cultural, mm. cultural stereotypes is anyone who's black gets compared to a black person and you know, I guess he, you know, there was low-hanging fruit to compare Terence to Prince because he was black, and it's a bit like when Samuel L. Jackson gets compared to Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> you know, someone doesn't like him. He goes, "What? Well, we all look the same, do we?" And whatever there, but um, you know, go on. But I mean, Michael got compared to Jim Morrison's. No, it doesn't have to be a race. No, thing. no, I don't. I guess for for, for Terence, um, just an interesting sort of twist on things. Um, let me just uh, sideline. Uh, if I mention the names. Bruce Willis, uh, the actor, Michael Fassbender, the actor, Diane Kruger, Martin Lawrence, John McEnroe, uh, Rob Thomas. Uh, there's a bit of a link between all of those people and Terence Trent Darby, B. Right, Al, what's this? Come well, on. Well, the link is they actually aren't American. They're all born in West Germany. Oh, really? Now, what happened in West Germany, particularly in the 50s and 60s more so, there was a naval base there or an army base there, uh, and there was a lot of expat military, particularly American families, were over there. So Bruce Willis, John McEnroe, as I said, uh, Terrence Trentarby, Martin Lawrence, Diane Kruger, you know, Michael Fassbender, who a lot of people associate with being Irish, American or whatever, but a lot of, all these people were born in West Germany, and, and Terrence was born in that area as well. You know, he came from a family, sort of a military family, but... Uh, uh, he, when he grew up, actually was quite a famous, well, famous, quite a successful mm. boxer, a Golden Gloves lightweight sort of you know champion, you know, within sort of Florida. And he, you know, when he was over in Germany, you know, he had a band there. And and when you hear, I remember as a as a, as a teenager when I heard him speak normally, his accent's not bog sort of down American sort of accent. Uh. You know, it's, it's sort of a hybrid. And I thought he could have been British. I didn't quite know because he was he seemed to dominate the UK charts. America sort of broke later for him, and then. You know, you had Millie Vanilli come out who, you know, I guess, again, from a hair point of view, was around that same time. Terence was probably one of the biggest sort of breakthrough artists during that 88, 89 period. Sweetheart, listen. I know the last few phases haven't been good for the both of us. And I've caused you a lot of grief. But put those bags down, okay? Before you make a decision like that, please just listen to me. Because I don't want to leave. I definitely don't want you to leave. Just hear me out. Shoulders long. I've done something wrong for you to leave. I love and careless girl, and I must apologize. I'll try better next time, baby. If you let me stay, if you let me 
Here, Let Me Stay, Sign Your Name, Dance Little Sister, Wishing Well. These were huge hits and his album was massive and I guess he was probably, as I said, one of the biggest artists on the planet. I guess through the success in the UK, that then crossed over into America, his homeland. And he looked like being sort of one of the next big things. And I reckon he might have waited about three, four years to, to do his next album that had some success. But then he waited a bit longer for his next album. And I've got a bit of an expression here, and I don't mean to, to, to patronise him here, but he sort of went mystical. Do you know what I mean by that? When someone goes a bit mystical, they like he changed his name, but that wasn't because he had to. That was just because he thought I'd like to call myself Sananda Matreya. He moved to you know I think to, uh, to to Spain or Italy I think from memory you know where he's you know literally you know now does uh, recordings on his own website and things. But you know from a standpoint point of view, I mean this guy sort of late eighties early nineties was as big as you could be, and come across in Excess's desk in ninety nine was a little bit of a left of centre choice. But do you remember Nick Egan uh, on one of our podcasts said, you know, that uh, uh, Terence was sort of like the the black Michael Hutchins. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's true. Mm. Yeah. I think it was Nick Egan, wasn't it? Yeah, he's just got that sex appeal, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll agree that you're saying that. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he probably had that sort of, you know, uh, stage presence that uh, we'll talk a little bit later about. But as a, as a sort of a, a process, if we go to In Excess for a moment, it was 1999, you know, that had that horrible 1998 that that agreed Raid Hale or Shine before Michael had passed to take a year off. Coming to 1999, there were lots of rumours about different things, you know, would the band reform, you know, would they, you know, there was talk about them becoming sort of, you know, the Farris brothers and things like that and Kirk going to get up the front and start singing and, you know, in those days, I mean, there was just rumours circulating everywhere. The idea to come and work at Stadium Australia wasn't something they sought out. Uh, in fact, it actually came about from the late Dean Jones, the famous Australian cricketer, who was part of a consortium who was part of the opening of Stadium Australia, which was uh, uh, the venue for our upcoming Olympics the next year in Sydney. And they wanted to have a big opening. They invited the FIFA uh, All-Stars out to play a soccer game against our Socceroos. And they wanted to have an opening uh, act to, to launch with music. And then they had a support band, which I think it was Men at Work and one or two other support bands. But they talked in excess in because Dean Jones knew Tim quite well through Tim's love of cricket. And that's how it all sort of emanated from there, B. I heard there were more people on the list than Terence to uh, frontline them as well. And, it, and that's why they wouldn't um, announce it so much. How ahead of time did you hear that Terence was going to be? Back in those days, I remember when I first heard about it, I remember being in my office in Melbourne and it was just on the radio. And again, we didn't really have the internet then. And um, and it was like he was coming out to play a gig and it wasn't announced he was the new lead singer. It was just that he'd been announced to come out and sing with the band. If we just put ourselves back in NXS's heads at that time, they'd played in 1998, the end of that year, the Mushroom concert, which we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that gave them a sense of um, belonging, of thinking, like, well, we got up there and you know, broke the ice, so to speak. And Michael and Terence were quite good friends. Uh, Terence had uh, a stage persona that probably could do justice to the material. Through whatever you know circumstances, it, it led to obviously him coming over to do it. And I think on our socials, there's a couple of little sort of um, things people can go and see behind the scenes with Ter Terence rehearsing with the band. I think, as I'll state a little bit later, um, you could see he's quite introverted as a personality. When you hear him speak in the media, he's quite softly spoken and quite sort of, as I said, a bit of a mystical sort of character. The ability to gel with the NXS boys who are pretty jocular and, and pretty sort of, uh, you know, been on the road and touring. Huh? Very Aussie. Aussie yeah. bird. I think also what the distinction was with Terence has always been a solo artist and yes. NXS were always a band of brothers. So this sort of jocularity and this sort of sense of five, six guys together uh, as a sum of the parts was probably a, a unique sort of uh, concept for Terence. I don't think Kirk minds me saying this, but I did reach out to Kirk a couple of weeks ago just to get some insights as to sort of just, you know, what was the the goal behind, you know, having uh, Terence, you know, be involved with the band and was it a bit of a ring try by if I could sort of speak sort of, you know, flippantly uh, because you don't know what you don't know. And they thought, well, you know, we'll do a gig and we're not committed to one way or the other. And often how people become part of a band or if a new singer comes in, you know, they, they do rent try by. They'll see if the chemistry's there. They'll see if it resonates. They'll see if there's a connectivity. I think to, you know, to Terence's credit, you know, once he got on stage and started playing, you know, and the songs there and his ability, you know, to even play around with the lyrical structure like you know if you listen to the four songs he sings them differently to michael he does sing them like a soul r&b type singer 
but does them well. And you don't really want a Michael Hutchins imitator. You know, it'll be one of those particular songs we'll go with today. But I think he, he when he got on stage, he definitely thrived. And I know Kurt was like, wow, like, you know, from behind the stage and in rehearsal to then see him go out and play live, there was a chalk and cheese comparison be. What do you mean? Well, chalk being, he was in the, he was done. No, I know what chalk and cheese means, but I mean, so he wasn't really into playing with the band as much because he no no i think i think he was into playing with them i just think when they were in rehearsals he was very very shy he was sort of sitting there behind the drums and not quite sort of as as, you know as expressive in learning the material or 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 being just outgoing i guess and the band were just thought that you know he may you know get on stage and you know project what he was projecting sort of uh, in rehearsal but it was sort of the opposite you know Perhaps he had a bit of jet lag <laughs> maybe <laughs> um look and, and again it's a bit of a, a no end sort of game sometimes when you're coming in to re, you know replace michael seemingly to an australian audience you know you would have been nervous about that scenario yeah. um but he's coming into a band dynamic and i think you know ultimately as kirk had said he probably you know really was ultimately a solo performer and the idea of being in an ongoing band dynamic probably they sense wasn't going to suit him and, and, and vice versa. But how amazing was that union on stage? Yeah. Beat smiles on everyone's faces. Yeah. Well, uh, June 12th, uh, 1999, I, I actually went to that gig. <laughs> so I flew from Perth, uh, a lady friend at the time, and a mate of mine from Melbourne, and we uh, he flew up and we met in Sydney and we went to the gig uh, and went to the to the soccer. He loved the soccer and we liked uh, the music and we sort of made a, a, a well a night of it and uh, or a weekend of it. But it was it was great. It was you know it was big atmosphere there. We'll go into sort of the stage theatrics in a moment. Uh, you know for for Tim there was a bit of a I think a presser at the time. I think uh, Tim stated that this is an NXS show and Terence is merely landing his vocals. Uh, Kirk it's it's for one night. Only and then he says at this stage, <laughs> uh, which is a little bit contrary. Uh, Andrew said people of both sexes had a, approached the band, uh, people such as Bono, you know, etc. There, uh, I think Tim thought that Terence was quite soulful and had a musical sort of uh, you know soul there that sort of lent itself well to the band. And I think we saw that when they went on stage. Interestingly, that night, uh, I think Wendy Matthews, who was part of Gary's band Absent Friends, also sung before the, the major gig. The crowd. It was 90,000 people that night, B. It was huge. The technology in those days and big screens went sort of around. They did quite a smart thing when they captured the concert. They had about 500 people on the ground in front of the stage. So that a lot of the, the footage you see is quite zoomed in. You don't get as many aerial shots like a Wembley. It was quite sort of well done. So the band had the crowd in front of them on the ground, and then you had occasionally the odd crowd shot from the stage out. Right. Um, but it was the, – the, the footage is, isn't, you know – this. A lot of footage of it at the time, but YouTube will sort of show you what's sort of there. From the song's point of view that night, uh, they opened up with New Sensation. Uh, they went to Kick, which was probably appropriate being a soccer event, B. They did uh, a little tribute to Michael there with uh, Never Tear Us Apart next. And then they came in with a bit of a, a, a well, a, a, quite a varied direction for the song, What You Need. I think the next year when they were with John Stevens at the Olympics closing ceremony, they played a similar type sort of version of What You Need. But it is quite different to the standard version. All up, the uh, the gig went for uh, eighteen minutes with the, with the four songs, and I just remember the crowd were quite supportive and into it, and it was a sort of a great atmosphere, and uh, it served the, the the moment particularly well. I know in the last couple of weeks you've probably gone back and watched it a bit. B, any any takeaways for you? Well, I just think it's quite a magical union, like I've mentioned before, and you know, In Excess hadn't played for a while, and uh, Terence hadn't played for a while, so it would have been very, I would have been mega excited to have been in the crowd at that point. So you were actually on the, um, in in the centre, you were on the side, were you? I was in the stands, yeah. You in the so stands, I- but you still got a good atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, we're up in the stands, sort of looking down, etc. there, um, on the whole sort of thing, and then you could see the they'd had a cordon off section on the ground with about 500 people dancing around in front of the stage to create a bit of an atmosphere for the TV. And did you run after the coach afterwards? Oh, no. If I did, I would have got a yellow card, uh, probably. <laughs> a bit of an interesting thing. I, I know uh, when you played some of those Terrence uh, songs earlier, I remember the time he was often compared to, to a guy called Sam Cooke, who was a sort of a, an R&B soul singer from the 50s and 60s. Darling, you sent me You can see a real similar 
popularity with uh, Terence's unique voice and Sam Cooks. I know it, it sort of reminded me when I was just watching it, you know, the Ben Harper uh, interview that he does for the uh, original Sin album when he came and lent vocals to Never Tear Us Apart. And he says, you know, if you don't think that Never Tear Us Apart is one of the fucking greatest soul songs of all time, you're not on this planet. And, you know, it was a really lovely compliment for Ben Harper to say that. But again, it reminded me of NXS's music that uh, was one of the rare white band artists to chart on the black charts, particularly with the Kick album when it came out. Like Need You Tonight, as I've often said, is a very black sounding song. Yeah. You know, a lot of them thought, you know, those brothers in excess are really good. They, they, they didn't realise they were white guys. Well, I'm a little bit older than you. And I, do you remember the Levi adverts and the kickback to like that retro look of the 50s? Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was another band called Curiosity Killed the Cat. Do you remember them? Right, okay. Like all of those, they got that soulful, like you say, um, Sam Cooke feel to them because those songs were being played in those adverts. I mean, Levi's often attached themselves to music, you know, back in sort of those ad campaigns that, you know, over the years have uh, gone global. I think also too, you know, I mean, think back to NXS working with Ray Charles and and obviously, as I said, Ben Harper and now Tanisha and Darby, as I said, the music is, as I said, cross-cultural. It's not a it's not a, a singularity to it. It has this sort of cultural overtones that, that goes into different areas and it's not appropriation. I think NXS as a band has uh, has worn their their heart and their roots on their well, their hearts on their sleeves, so to speak, because they grew up listening to such a variety of melty pot styles on the radio. So seeing Terence come in and sort of sing those songs, uh, a, a soulful you know ode to black singer style, really fitted in well. But look, ultimately the band, and I think Terence and that they just sort of were like it was fantastic, but. It was just that, it was like a date, you know, they had a date beat. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, we were appreciative of each other, but it's probably not going to take it to the next level. And I think that there was no animosity. There's never been a fallout. There's never been angst about it. I think it was just, as I said, you go on a date and do you take it to the second date? And they just didn't. It was one night only. Yeah. One night only. Yeah. I, I did hear that he started singing his old songs again, so I might have to um, dig in and see um, where he's singing those. That would be nice to hear him sing those old songs. Yeah. And he wasn't going to sing them ever again. Well, I think that the thing for, for In Excess, which was good, was that as much as the mushroom thing uh, was great for the band to get on stage, they, they did say afterwards, well, you know, it was never really about us that night. It was about helping Jimmy out and the mushroom thing, and it was us sort of coming in to, to just play and see whether we, we could have the gumption to get up and do it. I think this particular night, though, did give the band a sense of a stepping stone that they wanted to continue and that there was love and appreciation. And I think the media and the fallout and and, and the results of that gig uh, were encouraging. It was a standalone gig. It wasn't like there was pressure for the band to justify it all. They they, they played the venue. I did the opening night. It was a stepping stone for them to get their confidence and, and start getting back to work. And as we find out, you know, we go into the year 2000 uh, and, and some of the events 2001, again, I look back at this as a stepping stone sort of moment there. Interesting comparisons, B, on a sort of side note, if we go a little bit gossipy here for a moment, and I know you don't like gossip at all, and I know you don't enter this world about love and relationships and all these... You say you don't, but you're going to go talk about it. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to throw it to you. What is the link between Terry and Darby? Oh, right, even though this is more on Tia. What is the, what is what is a comment? What is a an off the uh, the record, literally, uh, comparison between Terence and Michael and someone else? Okay, well, Paula <laughs> probably slept yes. with both of them. Who wouldn't? Yes, yes. So, and, well, you wouldn't. But anyway, <laughs> well, T- Terence did go there first back in the late '80s when. He- 
He was flying high in America. For 30 years, he never said anything, but he did come through an interview in the 2000s and 2011, I think, uh, admit that, uh, that yes, he did have a little dalliance with Paulie Yates when he was about 25, 26. He was confronted by Bob uh, Geldof in New York, uh, uh, and it's on the public record, uh, during about sort of 1987, 88, where he's, uh, the bellhops said to him, uh, well, the, the, the uh, hotelier said, can you come downstairs? There's a guy to see you. Who is it? His name's Bob Geldof. <laughs> he came downstairs and said, you've been knocking off my wife, I believe. I think that uh, was which, very uh, useful when you said, so I don't think you said that. I think that, well, I'm doing the edited version, um, <laughs> but, but I think Terence, to his credit, he said, I do it any any." Smart, you know, articulate, you know, person do in those times, and that is deny, deny, deny. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I won't go through the sort of the vagaries of, of how all that sort of played out, but through researching this podcast, B, uh, it was something I think you were aware of because of the Paula documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I think they were in love. Actually, they were in love, but you know, she was with Bob, yeah. and they had an open relationship, and yeah, and that's the way um, it works. Yeah. And look, just getting back to straighten up a little bit with with Terence there, you know, he, he, as I said, he did change his name, you know, back in sort of 2001. And again, I think, you know, when people talk a bit in the first, I'm sorry, the third person, it always is a bit annoying, but Terence said, Terence Trent Darby was dead. He watched his suffering as he died a noble death. After intense pain, I meditated for a new spirit, a new will, a new identity. Matria has said uh, that his name change resulted from a series of dreams he had in 1985. Uh, the name does not have any religious significance. Matria explained that he understood it to mean rebirth in uh, Sanskrit. Sananda means possessed of happiness, and Matria means friendly, kind, loving, and benevolent. Uh, from 2001 to 21, uh, Matria released nine studio albums and four live albums. Yeah, I think from... You know, that sort of point of view, as I said, he got a little bit sort of mystical in terms of, you know, his situation. Uh, as I said, I think he sort of lives in uh, Italy, you know, pretty much for the last sort of 20, uh, 20 or so years. And I'm only a bit sad that he had the world at his feet and he, and he probably, you know, sometimes he may have just outsmarted himself a little bit there. But if he's happy, he's happy and that's his level of success. But I still think he had the potential to go on and become one of the great greats and not just sort of a one or two album sort of zeitgeist guy, you know. Some people probably still hear his songs in the movie Knocked Up. I think he had three songs in the movie Judd Out of Power Knocked Up. But his songs are still played here in Australia and, and, their, and their quality, you know, particularly the first album. And, you know, from that sort of point of view, as I said, he's got something that some he can be proud of, particularly, you know, selling over 10, 20 million copies of that debut album. So, but B, that's uh, Terence and NXS all wrapped up in a bow. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney, and this is The Big Rap. Well, that's a wrap. Episode 171 in the can. Wow. We're going to be hitting the 200th before we know it next year. I know. I know. Probably it could be even around our, our birthday, around our four-year-old birthday in May. But uh, I did mention the other week, and you might remember, but I'm doing my top 50 song countdown in little sections of 10. So what I did want to announce is that I'm probably going to put those into the new year. Just with all the recent content and what's been going on, I want to give it a little bit of uh, air uh, to stand alone on, on its own merit. So, Looking forward to hearing those. Yes, um, I think our January 14, 15, the first episode of the year, we will share the first 10 of those. And then also next week, we will have our Michael Hutchins solo posthumous album uh, review that's going to come out actually on Boxing Day. So uh, we'll let you get through your Christmas Eves and through your Christmas days and all your family stuff. But as you've got a full belly of turkey or a full belly of, of seafood or whatever it is in your region, you can dive deep and open up a cool little uh, Boxing Day special uh, of our next episode that uh, will come out on the 26th. So looking forward to that one, B. We haven't done an album review for a while, have we? Yeah, pretty special to do that for Michael on, uh, on uh, Boxing Day. So, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to that. All right. Now, are there anything in our competitions we are planning, maybe looking ahead to next year, B? Because I know um, people love those and things. Have a few ideas you've got or are we going to save those to share next year? Well, we will save it for the new year. Maybe Boxing Day we will um, announce quite a bit more about the competitions that are coming ahead. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go out today with uh, a song we've which was uh, the last song played by Terence Trent Darby uh, on stage with NXS. Uh, it is What You Need. Great version. Uh, I really enjoyed just watching it again for the first time in probably 10, 15 years. 
uh, seeing the inversion, the band mixing up the song and the sound and uh, the whole sort of breakdown of the material. And uh, I think Terrace does a great job vocally with this. So we're going to go out to that particular track and say thank you for helping in excess find their feet again. Also, to right at the end of the podcast uh, today, after that song that Terrence sings with in excess, uh, you might hear a little message from uh, Nick Egan about our patron program. Uh, again, if you've uh, enjoyed us this year and you haven't uh, become a patron over there and you do uh, uh, value what we do, we would value you uh, investing in us because it allows us to, uh, I guess, keep updating uh, our podcast and our material and our content and our uh, our equipment and just our drive to put something together for you guys that you enjoy. So, And you don't have to become a patron. You can do a little donation for Christmas for, you know, like for helping. Yeah, we do. We get, we get people who yearly do a yearly donation and things like that. But uh, as I said, we are uh, not for profit and we don't get uh, advertising funding. And, and it's getting bigger and bigger all in It is. And you've... <laughs> And in 171 episodes, you've never heard an ad. Now, I'm not saying that's not going to occur because yeah. I tell you what, we'll sell it to we'll we'll sell out for anyone. B. Having said that, <laughs> having said that, you have got 171 episodes with not a single ad. So there you go. And if one has popped in, it's been bloody Podbean has put it in and not paid us. Yeah, we haven't been paid for it. If we did, no, but we didn't see it. That's right. So uh, yeah, listen, to Nick Egan at the end, and uh, again, uh, if this is our last chance to say Happy Christmas to you, because our next episode is Boxing Day. Happy Christmas from me. Oh yeah, and Happy Christmas from B. Hi there, this is Nick Egan, better known by you fans as the designer of the Kick, X and Low Baby Live covers, as well as director of the Searching and Don't Lose Your Head videos. Just under two years ago, I was on vacation driving up the central coast of California with my family and I was looking for something to listen to and I came across a podcast which immediately aroused my attention. It had a quirky but professional style to it. It was conversational. There was a lot of humour. I was immediately taken by it and reached out to both Hayden and B, and offered myself as an interviewee, of which I did, where I talked about the kit cover primarily. And since then, I've appeared on the show on a couple of occasions or a few occasions. And um, I've seen it go from being a relatively localised but popular uh, podcast to becoming a global podcast. So I also wanted to say to you fans out there, if you're not patrons already, please, please sign up, become patrons, because both B and Hayden do this as volunteers. They both have jobs as well as this. They put a lot of dedication into this podcast, a lot of love and a lot of time and effort. And even if you can't afford to become a patron, try and contribute in some way, because we need podcasts like this. We need podcasts that come from the fans, that are true to the fans. We don't want to sit here corporate band podcasts. We want to hear real podcast from real people. Anyway, congratulations, Hayden and B.
All areas with Hayden and B.